0: This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. If you are a Lions fan, you're not as happy, but you could be. You could become a,
1: a well. Grown, right? You could be very happy in the future. You're not happy now.
0: Well, uh, you, got, you got some draft picks and a bag of beans. Apparently. If you're a
1: Lions fan, you're not happy in general. You haven't been happy since Barry Sanders retired. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of the usual condition.
0: Yeah, but to be honest, we're even happy when Barry Sanders was there because he won one playoff game. Entire career. No, but
1: the whole point was you still got to watch Barry Sanders. So yes, you're right. They they never did anything in the playoffs, but you could still watch Barry every Sunday. So that was that was worth it.
0: Yeah, luckily they Rodney Pete and Scott Mitchell I think were two of the names I remember uh, floating around Barry Sanders
1: in the backfield. Uh, yes, <clears throat> not and they didn't really have the Cowboys' offensive line either.
0: <laughs> Hence the reason Barry Sanders had to run for his life at all times. Anyway, that's not what we meant to start with. I just Jared Goff got traded to the Lions, and Matt Stafford went to the Rams, and now it makes the Rams probably better.
1: Uh, I think they well they should be, but I'll tell you what: given what they paid to get Matthew Stafford, they better be in the Super Bowl next year. Yeah, well, they better win the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Getting there is not as good. Uh, so anyway, um, this week, it's kind of the same old, same old. Uh, Joe Biden has put out more executive orders that apparently contradict other executive orders. There's a meme going around where his wife's saying, just sign it. Don't worry about what's in it. You know,
1: <laughs> I, I was joking. He thinks it's a publisher's clearinghouse uh, application.
0: Yeah. Just put that
1: sticker here. Just and sign that, honey. So it's, it's a letter to Santa. Don't worry about it.
0: But just, just for a word of warning, if you're ever presented with a blank sheet of paper and they ask you to put your signature on it,
1: don't do it because
0: you don't know what they're going to put on the top of that page. So I'm still a-
1: enjoying. I'm still enjoying Joe's uh, quote from uh, as far back as October of last year when he said, "You can't govern, you know, with executive orders. That's tyranny, man. Like we need consensus." And what is he? He's cranked out thirty uh, in the first what two weeks? Yeah. I mean, I think Trump at the same time had done three or four. So I guess we're living under tyranny. Well he also said in October
0: that he had a plan for COVID and then did. two days after he was in office, he said, there's no plan. There's no plan. You just, it's going to
1: do what it does. There's no plan. Yeah. But fortunately the media is holding him accountable for all of this. So we're, we're, yeah. we're good. You, you are, <laughs> you are correct. So one of our
0: intrepid reporters, and I won't name the name, uh, showed me an article this week and I, and I went to the actual source. Now, we talk about going to primary sources and primary sources are your best way to get distilled information down to its essence, whatever it is. It's not interpretation of that information. It's, it's from the author or authors. Uh, But I, there there are problems with primary sources in the fact that if we look at historical primary sources, you don't always have a, a number of contemporaneous sources. You might have one. So you're taking the word of, whomever wrote it down that you still have a copy of. So maybe it's accurate. Maybe it isn't. If you don't have anything to corroborate against, maybe you can't really say, well, that's a primary source. Cause they were there, but maybe they came to the wrong conclusion because they were in the other room when this all happened.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, for most of the news that we consume, it's pretty difficult to have a primary source. Uh, Most of the stuff that's being reported is being leaked. It's from anonymous sources, high-ranking sources. The one thing that is important is, for instance, if you find the media attributing a quote or paraphrasing a quote or claiming someone said something, particularly if someone is conservative, um, always try to find either the original article or if there's a transcript or the full video That's part of what we mean by primary sources, because invariably they will either flat out lie and make up something that was never said. Um, I mean, we saw this repeatedly with just just as one example, the Ukraine thing with Trump, where Adam Schiff to commence the circus read out what he claimed was essentially the, the summary of the transcript. And it was complete fiction. He made it up. Nothing that he said was actually in the transcript of that call. And they do this all the time. So you need to get your hand. Never trust any summary of a remark that's made by a conservative or a Republican in the mainstream media, because generally it's either flat out wrong or another example, the big lie of uh, there's good people on both sides. Right. We've talked about this. If you went to the actual transcript, you would see in the exact same paragraph. Trump made it explicitly clear that he was not referring to white supremacists. In fact, he said, uh, I forget exactly what he, his exact wording, but it was I denounced them or uh, yeah. completely unequivocally. And yet this carries on for what now? Three years where everyone just it's received wisdom that Trump said the white supremacists are good people. It's a total lie and it's a fabrication. And if you go to the actual transcript, you'll know that. But most people won't.
0: Yeah. Uh, perfect example is, and this is the story I'm talking about. The perfect example is Jake Tapper this week repeated the lie that Jacob Blake shot in Kenosha, Wisconsin unarmed. was unarmed. Even though Jacob Blake said on Goodwin in America, I had a knife. So either a knife isn't being armed, which in any police record would be armed, uh, or Jake Tapper is a fool of crap. Uh, I'm going to go with number two.
1: Yeah, I but should. here's, and Chad, that's a good point. But the other thing to to remember about that is we didn't even have to wait No, for him to say this on Good Morning America. If you as a reporter, gee, what's the one thing you might want to review? Well, how about the -the on-the-scene reports from the police? They have to write that up. Now, listen, you don't have to believe the police, okay? You you can you can present it, but what you would have found immediately, the reports contemporaneously with that incident were that Blake had a knife, the officers saw it, he was wielding it. You can report that by saying. There have been reports from bystanders that Jacob Blake was unarmed. However, there is a police report that's on file, which shows, which says that he had a knife, you know, we will do more investigating. They never said any of that. They never even bothered to read that stuff. No, but it's even
0: more egregious when after the fact, the man who you said was unarmed said on national TV, I was armed. I'm sorry. You're repeating the talking points because it sounds better for your story, but it's a total lie and even if you did no actual research, you would have known that, right? Jake Tapper, you would have known that.
1: right? Well, when Jake Tapper and all the rest of the media would also have known that, oh, actually, the house that he's at, that's a woman that he had. There's a restraining order out against him for prior abuse. And he wasn't there, as the media reported, to break up a domestic dispute. He was the domestic dispute coming back. Uh, None of that was reported because, again, they're not interested in reporting those facts. All they wanted out there was another African-American is shot seven times by the police. And I'm not necessarily saying that shooting him seven times was legitimate, but it would be helpful uh, to report all of the known facts because the one thing that would have been clear from the outset is this is no angel. This is no peacemaker. This is a guy with a criminal record who had there was allegations of assault in the past at this address which is the reason that the police n- were there knew that was going on and this guy has a knife and yet the whole country's been told that this was another wicked inexcusable racist police shooting i don't think so
0: yeah so the the reason i brought all that up is um there was an article this week that i saw that said we, we talked about the mexico city policy last week briefly yes didn't really get into it too deeply but i want to read what it is. Uh, this is a law, put in, first put in place by, well, not a law, a policy, put in place by Reagan in uh, the 80s, prohibiting U.S. foreign assistance to any organization that performs or provides counseling on abortion. Okay. It's been back and forth, turned on, turned off, turned on, turned off by. Yes, various- it,
1: it goes, it flip flops with administrations. Correct. And it's basically the international version, essentially, of the Hyde Amendment, which is for domestic taxing or uh, taxes being used to fund abortions. So I want to read. Now, this was published in the Lancet,
0: which, if you're not familiar with the Lancet, at one time was a somewhat respected medical. <laughs> at article. one time being key. And, and I don't know when that was, but at one time, this uh, article was published August first, 2019, in Volume Seven, Issue Eight. All right, so I want to keep that in mind. They since have come under scandal, if you want to use that scandal. They 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 took away a hydrochloroquine uh, study because it supported the use for COVID-19 and they didn't want to be on the side of that apparently. Uh, so keep that in mind. Again, primary sources, but I'm going to give some, I'm going to give a little uh, training lesson on reading an actual study. Cause if you watch the news, if you still watch national news or even local news, they're going to give you well, the studies researchers say, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's contradictory. One day it'll say this drink, coffee and you reduce your risk of heart attack next day too much caffeine is bad for your heart so you shouldn't drink caffeine and you're like well, how does it constantly it's contradictory well that's because they're making stuff up I mean I'll be very honest that you've got to look at the size of the study you've got to look at who paid for the study you've got to look at a lot of the data so we're gonna I'm gonna go through this real quick and Tony hasn't seen this but he's probably familiar with what I'm going to talk about uh the title of this article is USA Aid Policy and Induced Abortion in Sub-Saharan Africa, an Analysis of the Mexico City Policy. Now, this was presented to me by somebody. Is this the study from the Kaiser Foundation? It's not from the Kaiser Foundation. it this is
1: Lancet. I, but I didn't and, know whether they were publishing this by some other organization.
0: So this was put out. This was funded by the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, That Hewlett of Hewlett Packard. The Doris Duke Charitable Foundation, the David and Lucille Packard Foundation, and the Stanford Earth Deans Fellowship.
1: Right. By the way, all four of those are left wing to the core. Oh,
0: not even remotely near the center of whatever you think the center yeah. is. Um, but that again,
1: that doesn't mean that the study's bad. Right, that doesn't mean we can we reject it out of hand, but we do make a note that the organizations that are funding this have a particular political and ideological position as it relates to abortion.
0: Yes, and you and you have to understand that when you read an article, you have to go in with go into it with understanding of what are they trying to show and did they find that their hypothesis was actually proven by what they wanted to show. Now, the big dark secret is you're not supposed to go into a hypothesis knowing what the outcome is and trying to dictate the the guidelines of the study. And it, this isn't a how do I put this? This isn't a rigorous, scientific, double-blind, nobody-knows-what's-going-on study. This is an amalgamation of data, and they came up with a conclusion. So study is probably a stretch to say anything. They took some numbers, and they, they came up with what they thought it meant. Now, remembering who funded it, you probably can guess what the outcome is before you even read the study. And if that's what you're getting, then that's not really a study because you should not know in advance what the answer is but they do so uh what they found i'm just going to read the findings because i think it'll tell you all you need to know they found that when the mexico city policy was in effect abortion rates rose among women in countries highly exposed to the policy now think about that the policy is the us will not fund abortion or the discussion of abortion, okay? It can't be part of the family planning for that country or wherever for it's- For
1: women's health.
0: For women's health. So they're saying that we found that Mexico City policy was in effect. Abortion rates rose among women in those countries. Well, you're thinking to yourself, how? How, how does that happen? If If you weren't told about the possibility of abortion and you weren't presented with those facts, how do the abortion rates rise and then when you put the pol- take the policy away the abortion rates go down now just think about that from a logical perspective for a second if i tell you i uh, i have the secret to curing cancer but i'm not going to tell you cancer goes up okay that makes sense cuz you didn't cure it but if i tell you about it they go down again makes total sense Here we're saying, if I tell you Santa Claus doesn't exist, then you get more presence. And if I tell you he does exist, you get less presence. Doesn't make a lot of sense from that perspective. They found that the policy increased abortions, 4.8 more abortions per 10,000 women years. Now, here, (laughs) women years, patient years, it's not really ten thousand years. it's It's a statistical analysis of if a woman, if women lived for ten thousand years, if we had a cumulative effect of ten thousand women years, we would get four point eight additional abortions. But it's not ten thousand years. and it's it, we usually we talk about it with patients. We say we had a thousand patient years. Well, all that means is you had a large enough sample of patients. To have that number generated, it's not really equivalent. So it's not saying this woman—if woman lived ten thousand years, this is how many additional abortions you have. So it's a little—it's—it's it's playing with the numbers a little bit. So they say four point eight additional abortions. They say that's a forty percent rise. Here's the other big factor because what you'll hear in the in the news is forty percent increase in abortions simply because the Mexico City policy was in place which is contradictory to anything anybody would really think. But that 40% is relative increase. So there's absolute increase and there's relative increase. So the absolute increase was 4.8 divided by 10,000. So a very small number, but relatively speaking, meaning compared to another relative number, it was a 40% increase. Now, which sounds better, 0.00048 or 40%? Tony, what do you think? Which sounds better? Well, better to who? Well, better for your purpose. Again, knowing who funded it and what you're trying to get across with this study is 40%. 40% sounds so much more impactful. Now, I read the whole study. At no point did they ever come up with a reason why abortions increased when they couldn't talk about abortions. What they claim is because organizations who fund abortions and talk about abortions also give contraceptives. So if they couldn't talk about abortions, they didn't, they didn't offer the service in those countries. Therefore, uh, uh, pregnancies increased and abortions increased. So there's no limit on you talking about contraception, but there is a limit on you talking about abortion. So they say, basically, if you won't let me do it my way, I'm going to take my ball and go home until you let me do it my way. When you don't let me have the full gamut of what I want to be able to offer, I'm not going to do my job. So that's a spurious account here because it's not, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's well, not it can, I,
1: can I say something too? As someone who hasn't read this, like you have, but the fallacy with this to me, again, this policy relates to us aid. Yes. Us aid. That is if the policy is in place, which now Biden has rescinded it, When that policy is in place, it prevents a certain amount of dollars from the United States that flow overseas to be used in any way, as you said, to promote or fund abortions. Okay. however, that is not this is not a zero sum game, meaning if all of that money goes away, there are no other sources of funding and no other incentives for abortions. There's still going to be abortions. So my my reaction yeah. to this is is the same thing as saying, let's say the United States has a Joe Biden has issued uh, a policy uh, that we're going to permit the kicking of puppies, okay? <laughs> we want to promote and fund with u s aid the kicking of puppies because we're just cruel, ugly Americans. And it turns out they do a study. and you know what, despite the fact that we're funding, and promoting the kicking of puppies in most countries it's actually gone down right well again that's a silly example but my point is the one has nothing to do causally with the other it may have a little bit to do with it but there may be a whole ton of other reasons why people are kicking or not kicking puppies that have nothing to do with us aid and the reason i bring this up is because our friend dr fia and this is fascinating to me because i want to examine this from a moral standpoint so He of course is a Joe Biden fan, and he is promoting the idea that Joe Biden is a good Catholic and therefore he's a Christian and he's far better than that sulphurous Donald Trump. And so, what was what was Dr. Fia's response to a president who he has advocated as a return to a man who takes his faith seriously, etc.? What was his reaction to the rescinding of the Mexico City policy? Because you would think that as a Christian. Similar to Biden's flip-flop and reversal on the Hyde Amendment, that that's probably not consistent. It's certainly not consistent with the tenets of the Catholic Church. Correct. In fact, I think there's a bunch of bishops that have now come out and said, "Yeah, um, you've got a problem here in terms of your standing within the church." But what was very interesting to me is Dr. Fia did not address this at all from what he from the usual prism of morality, right? Is this a moral or immoral policy? What he said, Chad, was exactly what you've just noticed. And he cited a different study from the Kaiser Foundation and said, hey, you know what? This ain't so bad because the Mexico City policy, when it was in place, it actually didn't even reduce abortions, right? That's the point that your study is making, correct? Yep. And my question to Dr. Fia and anyone else who wants to use this sort of statistical analysis is so does that make it moral <laughs> um because we can talk all day long about the ultimate effects of a policy is it moral should a christian support the use of taxpayer funds either domestically or internationally to fund what Christians believe to be an abomination in the sight of God. Is that moral or is it immoral? And see, Dr. Fia and a lot of progressives don't want to have that conversation. They want to talk about the fact that if you do certain statistical analysis, it actually turns out that the Mexico City policy was worse because abortions went up. Well, that to me is completely beside the point and it is a telling deflection from his usual i'm going to be morally indignant and outraged at the policy at the at the purpose for a policy that's being implemented and yet here on one of the things you would think would be of paramount importance to a christian all he wants to do is point to some study that says hey listen it's all good because actually it didn't really reduce abortions anyway i think that is Sophistry. Well,
0: it is, and I'm. I'm, I wasn't going to bring him up because I did see that article. the The point is, you can even rigorous scientific studies, and I define rigorous as double blind, without which means both neither side on on the study knows which product the person got or which one got the, the control and which one got the test. This is not that. This isn't even remotely that. This is this is a peer-reviewed study in in, in only in word. It, it is not an actual study. Their their conclusions are spurious at best. But if you think about it, if I say I'm giving no counseling on uh women's health and abortions go up. Well, why is that? Because they they're not morally curious in the study. They don't really ask Why? They just say, well, they go up. So therefore the policy is bad from their perspective, but they don't look at all the things they didn't control for. You didn't control. When you do a study, you have to control for things. If I just say, I give you product A and Tony gets product B and you just go live your life. I don't know if Tony's driving like a crazy man in his car going 120 miles an hour, but he dies because he went 120 miles an hour in his car the other person sat at home all the time and they didn't die. Does that mean product A was better than product B?
1: Right. No. Well, in the world that you used to be in, Chad, it's the same thing with any kind of drug study, right? Yes. So you give you give one person a, a new drug and then you have somebody else who, do, who does, doesn't have it and you find out that the person that's on the drug has whatever, all manner of adverse effects or vice versa. But to your point, well, what do we know about what these people are doing? as part of their daily activities? Uh, What do we know about any other medical conditions that these people have? What do we know about what they're eating or other drugs that they're taking? Right. If you don't control for any of those other things and try to draw a conclusion from just one variable, it's going to be meaningless.
0: Yeah. And it is. And whenever you do a study, you want to demographically pair them, meaning similar age, similar genders. There are two similar, uh, weight similar height similar education all the things you're trying to control for to say hey one group had you know elementary education only the other group were college graduates well you know you might there might be a difference between those two groups that might lead to different outcomes simply because they had different levels of background you can't and, and the truth is you can't control for every variable you control for as many as possible and hope that the rest are homogenous based on where it is and where it's studied. So a study done in the United States is very different than a study done in China or Europe or Africa. They're not the same. You, you can't take things. Here's, here's what
1: I would like to know. Yes. So let's, I wonder what Dr. Fia and those, again, he's a representative of this position. Sure. I wonder what his reaction and analysis would be if let's say the United States was using his tax money to fund uh, safe firearms training (laughs) around the world, right? Because as part of an NRA-sponsored program, let's have families learn how to train safely with their guns. And we're going to use your tax dollars, Dr. Fia, and all these other people that I'm sure would be apoplectic. We're going to use them. Now, here's the thing, though. The good news for Dr. Fia is we've done a study and it turns out that even though we're funding all of this safe demon gun training, actual shootings have gone down in those countries. People are more safe. So I don't think we need to evaluate that on the merits. We can just look at this and say, see, There's no, there hasn't been more shooting. It's doing what it's supposed to do. Do you think Dr. Fia and his ilk would be willing to evaluate that policy within that framework? No, what they would say is this is a complete outrage. The fascists in the NRA and the gun lovers are now exporting murder to other countries with their fetishism about demon guns. Right. And that's fine. They can make that argument, but they would never retreat to some or they would never accept. Oh, well. I'm glad you showed me that peer-reviewed study that shows in Brazil uh, shootings have gone down. I think I'm glad that my tax dollars are being used for something that I consider to be morally abhorrent. I don't think so., oh, and,
0: and Nor should you expect that? I, I just wanted to point out to everybody that studies are just that. They're a capturing a moment in time with biases from the researchers and the the individuals or groups that pay for them. Studies aren't cheap. You know, a study this study, if it was actually carried out as a study, There were over 763,000 people looked at. If you actually had to do a peer-reviewed study uh, in real time, that would be well over tens of millions of dollars to do that study correctly. They're just looking back at data.
1: So it's really, it's comparatively easy to do this. The question, though, is straightforward particularly for a Christian or, or even a non-Christian who's opposed to abortion. So anyone that wants to talk about this and wants to wants to cite some studies, what I would ask them is, it's a, very, it's a very straightforward question. From a moral standpoint, is it good or not good that the United States government is now coercively taking your tax dollars and using them to fund a procedure which is either against your faith— or against your moral principles? Is that good or is that bad? Make them uh, answer that question. And if they we can talk later about policy impacts, but I simply want to talk at a moral level of whether we think it's a good idea that we're now using people's tax money who are opposed by virtue of their Christian faith, or even their Muslim faith, or even just because they're a secular person who believes that it's the taking of a human life, do we think that that is a good policy? Yes or no? If they don't want to answer that question and they want to talk about studies, then you've give you've gotten your answer. So that that brings me to another
0: study, <laughs> and I think this is this is the indicative nature of these studies. If it supports what you want it to support you'll tout it. If it doesn't, you won't. So you can't pick and choose what you want to take. If you're being rigorous from a data standpoint, you've got to take all the data and come to a conclusion with all the data, not some of the data. So this just came out today. New York university researchers probably know where this is going. Find no evidence of anti-conservative bias on social media. (laughs) Now, This is even better. This gets even better. They say there's no empirical finding that social media companies systemically suppress conservatives. Quite the contrary. They go out of their way to support conservatives. Oh, even reports of anecdotal instances tend to fall apart under close scrutiny.
1: Wow. So So all Chad. So listen, I mean, this is this is a revelation. And I'm going to have to, you know, reframe my entire worldview because actually Jack Dorsey and Mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos and Zuckerberg and who's it? Tim cook running Apple. Yeah. They all love conservatives and are actually trying to enhance their viewpoints, man. That is um, some mind blown. Now this, this is some straight
0: George snuffleupagus information here. He said the report notes that the many lawsuits against social media platforms have failed to present substantial evidence of ideological favoritism, and they have all been dismissed. Now that's again, morally bankrupt, not morally, sorry, intellectually bankrupt in what we're discussing, because this is the same statement that's been made about the election in that all the cases were dismissed. So they had no legal merit. Well, we, we've we discussed that they, they didn't have legal merit because standing was required and the parties that filed it didn't have standing. And. They were never actually adjudicated. They were dismissed because they didn't have standing or some procedural error before ever got chosen. So they roll out this 86 lawsuits have been dismissed. So obviously there wasn't fraud. Yeah. We don't know that same thing happens here. Just because a lawsuit is thrown out doesn't mean something didn't happen. It means you couldn't bring a case because of any number of reasons. As you well, could-
1: and, and one of the main reasons has nothing to do with whether there's ideological bias. It never got to that point. It's because these platforms are currently protected under federal law and sure. essentially have what amounts to quasi immunity from suit. Which is one of the reasons that we're having this debate over, I think it's Section 230, and and whether that should be pulled back, and I, I think it should. So the idea of saying, well, see, all the lawsuits have failed. Yeah, the lawsuits have failed because right now people like Jack Dorsey understand they have free reign to be as politically biased and slanted and censor those he disagrees with with no accountability. Because right now, the way the law is structured, it's almost impossible to sue Twitter or Facebook for those kinds of violations. Uh, So, I mean, again, this is literally the, you know, the old Richard Pryor joke. It's been told by other, you know, you come in and you find your wife in bed with the other man. And it's, you know, who are you going to believe? Me or your lion eyes kind of thing. I mean, I mean, seriously. Uh, okay, okay,
0: Yeah. This came on the heels of the Epoch Times being demonetized on YouTube. But there's no connection, not a connection. That this can-
1: this comes on the heels. Uh, I mean, look, we could spend three hours of the show just talking about, uh, gee, Hunter Biden's laptop story, not only buried, precluded from being disseminated. Oh, and it's Russian disinformation, right, on the eve of an election, except now it turns out he's under investigation by the FBI. But it's safe to know that now because uh, Corn Pop, the, the vanquisher of Corn Pop is now, is now president. He's been under investigation.
0: Since before Joe Biden announced to run for president, just, right. just
1: but- I mean, I'm just waiting for a study that says a New York times is more conservative than uh, national review. Although national review is not even that conservative anymore. Right. You know, no, no, don't, don't believe that all of the editorials yeah. at the New York times are actually mouth breathing reactionary Buckleyites. Okay. Okay. I believe that.
0: So this was in the USA today yesterday. Um, Here's the headline. Christian nationalism is a threat, and not just from capital attackers invoking Jesus. It says Christian nationalists inside our government are working quietly to take America for Jesus. They are more resilient, they are a more resilient danger to religious pluralism than anything else. hmm Yes. Okay.
1: Very frightening threat. Uh
0: I, I mean, I'm I hope they're trying to take America for Jesus. oh, wait,
1: is it they're trying to take us into is this there? We're gonna be a theocracy. That's the idea.
0: That's the th- that's the fear, that's and we're, the fear.
1: we're in imminent danger of that happening.
0: Uh, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't say that I've seen it. Well, it's
1: possible it. because they haven't rolled it out yet, they're still waiting, a right? Secret. They have all the people going to the Noah's Ark display, and then, um, they're going to unleash all of their, their secret agents all at one time, apparently.
0: Yeah, and I think that's where you have to look at this with a jaundiced eye and say, hmm, uh, really. Truly, really? is that that what you think is happening? Because I'm not seeing it. So, well, not- John,
1: to die, Chad. It's more like, how stupid do you think we are? Apparently, okay, very. So we know we know that this is pure propaganda, and you know that we know it's pure propaganda. So let's just let's just stop. Yeah. So uh,
0: yeah, we'll we'll see if that comes to fruition. But I, I wouldn't hold my breath that you're going to see a huge. By the up. way,
1: don't you remember that this seems to be a recurring threat? Right, yes. whenever. Uh, whenever the Democrat, you know, regains the Oval Office, and then it's an immediate pivot to the Christian nationalist threat. It's growing. It's insidious. Yeah. They're soon going to be Methodists in buses coming to your town. Fundamentalist Baptists with their AK forty. It's it's look. Are there Christian nationalists out there? Of course there are. Sure. But the idea that they're again, they're always we're always on the cusp of theocracy. Just. Just one more week and they will have full control. And the fact that they're saying this now, given who is running the country, I mean, it's sort of like, have you seen the people that are imposing their policies right now? They don't seem very well aligned with Christian nationalism, unless, again, they're very devious double agents. So maybe that's true.
0: Uh, And I know this I'm going to bring this topic up because I think Tony will probably launch into um, his feelings. My feelings Uh, on Kevin Kleinsmith and the (laughs) and laughable, and I mean overtly laughable sentence he received because he'd already
1: been been disciplined. He didn't just well. We should probably remind people Uh since uh, people that are healthier than we are don't don't track this all the time. So just uh, a quick rewind. Kevin Kleinsmith was the lawyer who falsified evidence. In a submission to a FISA court. And what he did is this was they were attempting to continue to surveil Carter Page, who has been completely innocent, was never uh, an asset of Russia. And they actually knew that Carter Page had previously been assisting, let me repeat assisting the CIA, and I think even the FBI, I think it was the CIA. Um, he was an asset of our country being used against Russia. Okay, we knew this, and so the person that that needed this information confirmed before he went to the FISA court, the lawyer, asked Smith to confirm whether or not Carter Page had been a previous asset of the U.S., because if he was, that basically torpedoes the entire mission. Right You can't go and claim the guy is an agent of a foreign power when he's on the u s payroll uh, spying on the foreign power for us. So the, Klein Smith, because he's a rabid anti-Trump partisan, and there's all manner of texts and emails demonstrating this, decided that would gum up the works. And so all he did is he reversed the meaning of the email, the information, and said and changed it to say that that Carter Page was not an asset of the u s government. and so With that information altered, they went to the FISA court and got yet another FISA warrant to illegally surveil Carter Page and, by extension, the Trump campaign. And so Mr. Klein-Smith was prosecuted for this. And Chad is referencing the just the incredible punishment that was handed down by, I think it's uh, Judge... Oh, his name starts with a B, but he's also one of the main FISA court judges. Um,
0: He's the head of the FISA
1: court. He's the head of the FISA court. So remember, the judge that's handing this down is the one that was duped, lied to. And remember, this is a secret court, so these are not adversarial proceedings, meaning you don't have other lawyers standing there challenging the allegations in these affidavits and these submissions, which means... That absolute honesty and integrity is the watchword because we are extending surveillance over American citizens with no pushback, but only on the say-so of government actors. And so this is the judge who was lied to repeatedly, admittedly, and, and who was presented with, maybe not him in that particular case, but he's the presiding judge, falsified information to allow an illegal surveillance operation to continue. And he decided that Mr. Kleinsmith, well, he deserves probation. So he's not going to serve a day in jail. And I believe he also has to do 400 hours of community service, which I presume will probably include helping a local civic group topple some more statues or, you know, maybe, maybe assist the Biden administration in drafting more executive orders. I, I, I don't know. Very, very harsh punishment. And certainly, Chad, a deterrent effect on anyone else who would dare consider doing something like this again. Don't you agree? Well, I, I'm sure
0: that's I'm sure Michael Flynn is saying, Hol, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I did something I was legally able to do and didn't lie to the FBI. And that's what came here. I, I want to read Judge Bosberg's quote from the brief he filed for this 12 months of probation, and 400 hours of community service, 10 whole weeks of community service, 40 hours a week. Uh, Mr. Kleinsmith likely believed that what he said about Mr. Page was true. So, therefore, it must be okay because I believed it was true. Therefore, Hillary Clinton's probably saying this in 2016. I believed I was going to be president, so I should be president, right? Because I, Stacey Abrams, I thought I was going to be governor of Georgia, so I I should be governor because I thought
1: that. Yeah, but you know what else is even more, just more disgraceful is that, and you make a good point, but there is no reasonable person who thinks that he actually believed that what he wrote in there was true. He intentionally wrote the opposite of the information that he had. Now to, to say that he, he sort of thought that this was accurate is just, is the most absurd contortion Uh, again. I mean, the fact that this judge who is the one who was taken in, who is the one who was lied to is shilling for this guy is incredible. And again, this, this explains people always want to know why, why was there such a, why are so many people, why did they vote for Donald Trump? You know why? Why? Because of stuff like this, because the longer that this goes on, this brazen and transparently corrupt system by which the connected and the elite, and of course, you got to be on a certain side of history, right? The right side of history, people, the longer that they skate, the more that they thumb their nose. Just remember, we're still dealing with, there will be no consequences for Andrew Weissman and the whole... You know, Mueller pipe hitting crew wiping all of their phones, right? 29 of 29 phones, classified government information. It's a felony to do that. Oh, we, we, oh, we forgot our password. <laughs> Bummer. Um, any consequence for these people? None, zero. If you or I had done that, we would be sitting in a jail cell somewhere. Michael Flynn found out what happens even if you don't commit a crime. If you're on the wrong side of the FBI and the Obama administration and the CIA, you have your life ruined. This goes on and on, and people watch this and they are enraged. And that is why people looked at Donald Trump and said, "Yeah, I don't like this guy's character. I don't like the way he behaves. I may not like the way he tweets, but" At least he's going to try to dismantle whatever it is that's going on in the quote-unquote swamp.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's something there. Uh, I want to move on to our Emmy Award-winning communicator. Yes. and I want to play a clip from this Emmy awarding, Award-winning communicator and just listen to everything this person says, and I think you'll kind of get the gist of where we're going with this.
2: A third of all deaths in this nation are from nursing homes. New York State, we're only about 28% only. But we're below
1: the national average in number of deaths in nursing homes. But who
3: cares? 33, 28, died in a hospital, died in a nursing home. They died. And I dealt with the loss of
1: my father, the pain is so incredible
3: uh, and inexplicable and
2: why, and why, and why, uh, it's a tragedy, it's a tragedy.
0: So I just want to point out, that was Andrew Cuomo talking about his father, Mario Cuomo, who did not die of
1: COVID-19 he's been dead for years i mean is this guy is this guy shameless or Uh, is he shameless i mean and i okay so wait a minute a third of the country has died in nursing homes yeah but you're the guy that issued an order that made more of them die so i I mean it's incredible and yet of course you know the bootlickers just sitting there oh that seems like a reasonable explanation Oh, by the way, the New York Times has actually roused themselves from their uh, catatonic slumber to see the reason that this has been in the news now is because there's a report that we already knew that Cuomo issued an order that forced people who were sick with covid back into nursing home environments, which killed thousands of other people. What we've now found out through an AG investigation in New York. And by the way, that lady better go into the witness protection program because the Cuomo crew is going to be after her. Well, they've now found out that the death toll was undercounted by about 50%. Yeah. So the number of people that Andrew Cuomo's order basically directly killed um, was they reported that as 50% less, even though, even though it doesn't matter, right? doesn't matter. Nursing home, doghouse, outhouse, they're all dead. You're right. They are all dead, and it is a tragedy, but your decisions, by the way, this is also a guy that was on his soapbox every week claiming that it was the fault of the Trump administration and Trump's policies were killing people and they're the ones that are to be blamed, and yet now it just all doesn't matter, right? It's just a tragedy. I didn't really hear that from any of the usual suspects attempting to blame Trump and the administration for now. How many hundreds of thousands of people have died? I don't know.
0: 435, I think. Yes.
1: You can't really trust those numbers either uh, in terms of how they count COVID deaths. But it's a lot of people, and it is tragic.
0: Well, I I think that's where you have to think about it because why would you lie about the 28%? Because you had more than 28%, and you knew you had more than 28%. And you got up there and you lied about it, and say we're better than the rest of the country. Well, that's a load of crap, obviously, from this AG investigation. Oh, by the way, Mario Cuomo died in 2015. Nothing to do with COVID.
1: But thank well, you. for that, It could have been. How do you know, Chad? You
0: yeah, can't well, that. could have been patient zero. In fact,
1: I think his death has been officially listed as COVID-related. They've they've gone back in and and checked yeah. that. I mean, okay. he sounds like he sounds like a mafia hitman, right? And and it's it's sort of like listen. I know that I double tapped those four witnesses, but a third of all witnesses get double tapped in the head. So why are we talking about any of this? Whether they died with concrete galoshes or they got double tapped or they got put in the trunk of a car, they're all dead, right? I mean, it's, it's absurd. Well, I think the
0: the point people have to understand is it was his March 25th order directing nursing homes to admit COVID-19 patients. That led to additional COVID nineteen patients dying. If he had not done that, we might actually hear the right number because there's no incentive for him to lie about it. And they
1: were, and the the people that were running these facilities were begging his administration, "Don't make us do this. We have no, these people are have no protection. They're the most vulnerable. If you do this, this is what's going to result." And they didn't care. No, they didn't care.
0: And I I think what people may or may not know about how this, how these numbers go back to primary sources and statistical analysis. He claimed anybody who died of COVID-19, if they died in the hospital, even though they were transported from a nursing home, they were considered hospital deaths and not nursing home deaths. It's playing with numbers. And I'm not sure that other States did do the same, including our own. So it, it's playing with data to elicit a response that you is favorable to you and detrimental to
1: your opponent, but it just shows you, again, the the irrecoverable debasement of our media that now you would think, okay, again, I understand all these people are progressives. They all love Cuomo. They all agree with his worldview. But you would think that someone who's a native New Yorker who saw this unfolding would have just a shred. Of righteous anger about this would be willing to say to this guy, hold on, you issued these orders. You refused to relent when nursing homes begged you not to force them to take in these sick people. You've now been exposed as undercounting the death toll and massaging the numbers like Chad just pointed out. And you're going to sit here and expect us to lap up some some incredibly condescending um oh, well they're all dead what does it matter i mean again can you imagine if this had been a direct order from the trump campaign and he trotted out someone to to defend this there would be there would be calls for murder charges right absolutely so uh, the fact that there's not i have not seen a single reporter demand some sort of response from him to call him on the carpet for this because, again, he's on their team. They don't care. They just don't care.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk too long about the next one. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let me... She's
1: being... She's, she's now representative of all Republicans. Yeah.
0: Yes. And based on some of the things I've read that she's posted, I believe she is Looney Tunes. Oh, absolutely. That's not you've elected crazy people before to the house which is where she's at uh but they they again they're tarring and feathering everybody on the gop because she happens to be a republican not the ha- the fact that she was crazy before she got elected the people still elected her and there she is so uh is aoc any less crazy or her or her ideas any less crazy maybe than reagan causing the fires
1: or ilhan omar or yes. Hank Johnson, one of my favorites, the guy that was worried that Guam was going to tip over. We should actually play that clip one time. Uh, he was at a, he was actually at a hearing, and he was worried that a deployment of certain, uh, I think, Marines uh, would potentially capsize Guam. So, um, and, and he's that's at least you know just sort of uh, harmless, harmless kookery. I mean, we could go down the list. Of the nuthatch dwellers that are in Congress on you know the Democrat side. And of course, there's probably others on the Republican side as well. This is this is yep. part of what happens. There's some nutty people out there. But as you pointed out, she has now become this is the emblem. This is the personification of the Republican Party. They're all crazy. Okay.
3: This is a uh, island that at its <laughs> brightest level is, what, 12 miles from shore to shore, and at its smallest level, uh, or or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, seven miles uh, uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? Uh, I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very small island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 24 miles long, about seven miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And I don't know how many square miles that that is. Do you really supply it to you if you'd like? Yeah, my, my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and, uh, and <laughs> catch it's
1: it just never it's just never gets old. Uh, I mean, Hank, Hank Johnson, Johnson, island that. buoyancy expert, never, never gets old
0: i i forgot about that. that was from 2010 uh yeah the island will not tip over if you have people it's not a balloon it's not a raft it will not tip over because there's people on one side you'd have to have a lot more people than guam could fit it's 209 square miles just in case you're wondering if yeah. it matters in any way shape or form to the discussion
1: i mean that that uh, is that is uh, that will never uh that will never cease to be a classic
0: no and, and nor should it because let's let's be honest it, it's craziness uh,
1: but I said, that guy, that guy um, is, is harmless. Uh, I mean, he's also a raging, you know, he's, he's a raging left-wing radical. And that, that's fine. Uh, that's part of the House caucus. But uh, yeah, compared, like you said, in many ways, AOC is equally, if not more so cartoonish than, um, what's her name, uh, that, that you just, that you just Roger, pointed out.
0: Green. yeah. Uh, Hank Johnson, just for reference, has been in the house since 2007 representing the fourth district of Georgia since 2007. Um, I, I don't know what to say to that because that's just plain cookery. I, I, she, this woman is not somebody I would say, wow, I, I agree with her. I support her. But
1: no, she, is she, she's the space laser one, right? Yeah, she said the fires. That, the Cal- that is actually really good. She, she apparently oh. believes that the California forest fires were started by a space laser laser that is under the control of, of course, Jewish bankers um, who are using the fires to clear the way for some sort of high speed rail project. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't take her seriously in her
0: beliefs. Uh, but if you like a post on Facebook, that doesn't mean you're threatening the overthrow of the government uh, i mean unless it says like this if you'd like to overthrow the u.s government which i don't believe it did so i i'm not i'm not supporting this woman
1: but let's let's tone it down a bit i mean well they're not they're not going to tone it down a bit because it's all a sham it's all part of what they do which again they, they want to use her hold her up and say see everyone that opposes us is just like her this is what the Re- republican yeah. party is um okay i mean that, that's the playbook and it, if we were really going to go on a a hunt for the truly nutty people in Congress, it would take a long time. And there, we'd probably be reducing the ranks by about 30% or more.
0: At least. Uh, There was another article came out this week that said uh, critical race theory is not socialist. Okay. Uh, I have a a, a quick soundbite here from a woman who tells you what you probably should know about critical race theory.
2: Let's take a look at the nonfiction section in Target. First, we have Me and White Supremacy. Next up, How to Fight Racism. Then we have How to Be an Anti-Racist. Following that, we have White Fragility. Why it's so hard for white people to talk about race. Then we have So You Wanna Talk About Race? And I could go on, but we'll end with Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And just before we go, let's take a look at the Children's section with hits like All Because You Matter and Anti-Racist Baby. So let me make this clear. You are being brainwashed and manipulated. I don't care who you are. People of color, you are being brainwashed into thinking that you are a victim and that you are hated, and then manipulated into using your voice, your vote, and your time to support people who do not share your interests and frankly do not care about you. And white people, you are being brainwashed into feeling guilt that you should not feel, manipulated into closing your mouths, and blamed for an issue that has been exaggerated beyond belief. It is due time that we all wake up. Let's
0: So that was half black conservative. That's her.
2: Yeah.
1: I I don't think that we're going to be waking up. I think the slumber is going to continue.
0: Yeah. So this article came out and I want to, it's uh, five things that are not socialism by Tyler
1: Huckabee in culture. Uh, Great. Yeah. This sounds like it's going to be tremendous.
0: I'm sorry. It's irrelevant and it's about culture, but relevant is, I guess, the online blog. Uh, He said, believing in critical race theory is not socialism. Now, has
1: anyone actually claimed that it is? I didn't think so. I mean, there's Marxist meanings. Yes, exactly. Well, exactly. Yes, it's fundamentally Marxist, but you know, so, okay, first straw man topples over, that's great. It's still a terrible worldview that incorporates all manner of Marxist ideas because it's part of critical theory, which is Marxist theory. And it just replaces class uh, and the class power struggle with a race power struggle. So, OK, it it's like, what, but it's but it's not actually socialist. The, right. uh, yeah, sure. OK. Believing women can lead in the church. Again, it, it, straw man number two, timber. What? Who who has said that believing that women can lead in the church, and of course we'd have to unpack what that means between complementarian and egalitarian, and there's all different things that we could get into, but who has actually made the claim that that is socialist? Beth Moore is one of
0: the persons he cites.
1: Okay. Well, then I agree with him to the extent that saying that women can lead in the church is not socialist. He is correct.
0: Uh, Advocating for refugees. (laughs)
1: I don't know who's
0: saying that. Huh? I, don't, I don't know who's saying, I truly don't know who's saying advocate for refugees as socialists. I, I,
1: well, and, like, one, and once again, the level of generality that we're at ha- has rendered this uh, just completely pointless. So um, are we talking about allowing any person who comes to this country's borders entry? Is that advocating for refugees or is it. People who are legitimate refugees, meaning being persecuted, uh, victims of war, uh, those types of things should be let in because that's actually not a debate either. We have a process by which those people do gain entry. So I'm going to need a little bit more information about what you mean when you say advocating for refugees.
0: Well, you're going to know where he's coming from here. Stephen Miller crafted the immigration policy for Trump. Okay. It was 110,000 immigrants under Obama. In 2016, Trump dropped it to 45, and last year it was just 18,000. Now there was a pandemic, yeah, so that happened. So maybe there would have been
1: 30,000 like the year before. Uh, but here, here's, here's but note, but note, everyone is a refugee. See, that would be the first question that I want to ask, which is, please define refugee because it has a legal, statutory definition, and I'm sure that what this person means is everyone that's coming and attempting to seek a better life in America is a refugee. Well, that's not true. Certainly not true from a legal standpoint or an immigration standpoint. There's people that seek asylum. There are people who qualify as refugees. And then there are economic migrants, people who are leaving impoverished, destitute, horrendous circumstances and trying to get into this country. And we've talked about this. Nobody begrudges them for that in terms of what would you do if you were in their shoes? Probably exactly the same thing, but they're not refugees and we need to have a debate about whether or not we're going to place any limits on those type of people, type of people, meaning coming from worse economic conditions, worse social conditions, places that are blighted, places that have been devastated by failing economies. We need to have a conversation about what is the appropriate number of people and by how do we measure that into this country. And if your position is that everyone gets to come in, fair enough, but then you're going to have to explain all of the negative effects that that potentially has. And they don't want to talk about that.
0: Well, I I think the number is 110,000 because that's what Obama gave out in his last year.
1: So, well, that, that number will never stay static. I mean, no. it has to, has to be more.
0: So here's what he his rationale for this. He said, "In reality, the U.S. has a historic reputation as a global haven. Even as the refugee crisis has reached unprecedented highs, the U.S. has traditionally offered its vast resources to protect those fleeing violence. Many of these people are actually Christians on the run from a le- religious persecution." But whatever the reason reason, offering to help those in need does not need to be the exclusive domain of socialists and leftists in the recent past. It was something most Americans of both parties were able to get
1: behind now. and who's who's not behind that? Nobody's because con- again. he he is now. he's actually used the correct definition of a refugee. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't used an expansive version of that. What he's saying is that this country should be a haven for people that are fleeing violence, who are fleeing persecution. I absolutely agree with that. And we have a process by which those people can come into the country. I'm not really aware of anybody within a leadership position within the Republican Party who is saying we should not allow legitimate refugees to come here. Yes. Are you? I I don't know of anybody
0: saying that. I think what you're they're conflating you know, religious refugees and political refugees from people economically fleeing from their countries and coming in illegally, crossing at border points that aren't crossing points. So they aren't if they truly wanted to come in correctly, they would come through the border point. They know they can't because they don't have a legitimate claim. So they come other right. places. And the,
1: thing that these, and the other thing that they they these individuals that sort of promote this idea never ever talk about. Even though they really like to talk about it in the context of other issues is that even in countries like Europe, there is no other country in the world that would have an immigration policy as lenient as what they are advocating for the United States couldn't get into Canada, can't get into any country in Europe, right? But for some reason, they never actually explain why we should be this outlier. Now, look, if their argument is, it doesn't matter, we should be better. We should be more open, more hospitable, more compassionate. That's fine if that's your position, but then embrace the fact that what you really want is unlimited open borders and be willing to discuss not just the That really feels good stuff about that kind of policy, but all of the negatives, including increased crime, loss of jobs, all the stuff that goes along with it, they never want to discuss. There are costs and there are benefits and people of goodwill can disagree, but they never want to have an honest debate about this stuff.
0: And and they won't. So the next one is voting for Democrats is not socialist. Uh, He cites. Kamala Harris as being saying very clear on the campaign trail, I am a capitalist. And that goes double for Biden. He's a capitalist. Right. Even when his party was advocating Medicare for all, he did not advocate for that. So yet. it's
1: just it's if they say that they're not something, then that's dispositive.
0: Just words, just words. He Biden right, has- Like for
1: instance, that's why I learned that Antifa are against fascism. See, I thought they were behaving like fascists because they run around and uh, implement political terror and and burn buildings and assault people. But they say that they're anti-fascist, and we have to take them at their word, right? That's what I've been told. Yeah. You know. And look, not I agree. Not every Democratic politician is a socialist. Again, right. th- these are these are all just just light up the straw men one after the other. But there are certain Democratic politicians who openly embrace socialism, and there are others, even though they claim they're not socialists, seem to embrace all manner of socialist policies. And I think we should be permitted to take that into account when we're evaluating whether they actually want to promote socialism. But again, that's just me.
0: Yeah. So he says that things like gun control reform and death penalty abolition may have a progressive sheen to them but there's enormous gulf between fewer tax cuts for big corporations, and I love when they wrote to this, amanticize the eschaton. You oh,
1: couldn't say- the, the eschaton, yes, okay.
0: He couldn't just say, bringing about the afterlife here on Earth, bringing about what we think of as heaven here on Earth. He had to you, use a, a trendy phrase. When you do that, you lose me, because now I think you're trying to be pretentious, and uh, there's no reason for it, because nothing else in here you say- Well, it.
1: again, the point here is, I'm not saying some of those things are socialism. I'm saying they're terrible policies. Yes. So I, it's almost as if he he thinks that every criticism that is leveled at the sort of progressive political platform is it's socialism. And so if he proves that it's not socialism, we win. No, I, I think many of the things that they're promoting um, are reflective of socialism But many of them are not. They're just really, really bad policies that are going to be incredibly destructive.
0: Well, and I think that's where it breaks down for me is when you have to if you say, Well, these five things aren't socialism, even though hardly anybody is saying they are, then suddenly you think you've won the argument. But nobody said that was not nobody, very few people said that was true. So I'm not really sure what you're what you're fighting against. If I say a pizza has no calories. Okay, but if I say pizza has thousands of calories, if you eat a whole pizza, that doesn't mean the pizza doesn't have thousands of calories and nobody was saying it was calorie free. So what are you proving? You you prove nothing to me because I already knew that Uh, it it just gets a little
1: shutting down the Keystone pipeline on day one of your presidency is not socialism. It's just a really bad enthrall to the eco cult idea, which has no basis in science or even actually in accomplishing what their claimed goals are, which is to reduce fossil fuels because the oil is still going to come into the country. Only now it's going to come by rail, which is actually more economic, or uh, more environmentally unsafe. But who cares, right? So he can write an article that says opposing the Keystone Pipeline is not socialism. I agree. It's just terrible economic and environmental policy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I want to finish out tonight with the impeachment, uh, the second impeachment. Do we have? Uh, read, to? Okay. Well, I read, <laughs> I read two different articles this week, which which brought some thoughts to mind. Uh, the first one was again from USA Today. Again, fifth grade reading levels, so I'm not really giving them a whole lot of credit here. Uh, but they said the, that Trump's lawyers would try to use the would try to use the Constitution as to why the impeachment shouldn't work, as if using the Constitution in what is supposed to be a constitutional process is a bad strategy and can't possibly succeed, even though constitutionally there should be no impeachment because he's not in office. So that doesn't make any sense. John Roberts is not uh, supervising it. So that that's one point. The other point is uh, there's a theory going around that maybe the Democrats no, they're not going to win this. They know, they know they're not going to. You think? Win. Well, they know they knew that going in. But the, the strategy is that every Republican who votes against uh, removal of office—again, not in office can't be removed from something you don't actually have—that uh, this will now be used in campaign ads, attack ads against every one of these Republicans. Presuming it's Republicans, I can't okay. imagine Democrats. And then they're going to go see they were enthralled to Donald Trump and they just couldn't get. He's radioactive and he shouldn't be part of the, the mix. I that may, that may come up. I don't think that was the thought process going into this, but I certainly think it could come up down the road because they're going to look for anything they can to attack these Republicans. I still contend there is no... Cost- Wait a minute.
1: There's- they're going to attack Republicans in red states? for not going along with a second farcical impeachment of a man who is no longer in office. And that's, that's an attack. Apparently. That, that's a badge of honor, right? Yeah. How, how does that work? I mean, I guess you can attack Susan Collins, but Susan Collins m- is probably going to be one of those that might go along and Mitt Romney and Lisa Murkowski. And we know the names, but the people that are going to not vote for removal, um, not going to convict, how in the world is it an attack ad and any for any of their constituency? If they do vote for removal, they're going to be primaried and they won't be in Congress anymore.
0: Well, I think that's the that's the reality. And I, I use that last one as a far-fetched, you know, to try to explain stupid behavior in, in retrospect and somehow come up with a reason. Wow, we had a plan the whole time. This is what we're trying to do. We just couldn't let you in on it because it would have thrown off the plan. And they may have done what we wanted them to do, which really wouldn't have helped us in the attack. yet. I think, it's totally hindsight looking back and saying, "Oh well, this is what we tried to do." Not even close. They are, they are so. I
1: anxious. think it's a huge. I think it's a huge, uh, but very typical political error by the Democrats who always overreach. Uh, Because, number one, now, who knows? Then again, maybe they are smarter than I am and they realize we need to distract everyone from Joe Biden's agenda uh, as long as possible. So it's better for us to keep Trump in the news for the next whatever month. But look, Rand Paul already forced a vote in the Senate essentially arguing that the entire process is unconstitutional and shouldn't go forward. And he has enough Republican votes agreeing with that, even though he didn't stop the proceeding, which mean, who agreed it's unconstitutional, which already guarantees that there is never going to be a conviction, which requires a two-third vote. So the whole thing is just a pointless exercise in, I guess, ongoing vindictiveness by the Democratic Party. And I think Look, I've I've looked at some of the polls. Trump's approval is not being affected by this. Honestly, Chad, most people don't care. They're not paying attention, uh, and nor should they. It's It's completely absurd. You pointed out you can't remove a guy from office who's a private citizen. And since the chief justice is not presiding, he's not the president, because the Constitution would require that. So what exactly are we doing? I'm not really sure other than just further trump derangement theater that's what's going on here
0: yeah that, so i don't know what's going on other than they just can't let it go because he's gone he left power willing
1: well they want him they want him permanently out of power but i i don't think this is actually going to help them but he'll be he would be 78 when he took office as old as biden i
0: i just don't see i don't see a republican party and nominating a 78 year old
1: it's it's pathological. It really is. Uh, they just they just can't they can't let it go. And of course, look, the media as much as they they hate Trump with the you know the intensity of a thousand suns, he is a cash cow for them. He has single handedly lifted all boats, right? Because everything was about him. And look, what are they going to do when he's actually gone? They're going to report on Joe Biden doing what napping? I, so they need as long as they can keep Trump in the media cycle, it's good for their ratings. And so they're going to, they'll press this as long as they can.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, in, in other news that makes no sense to anybody with a functioning cortex,
1: Stacey Abrams and
0: BLM have been nominated for the Nobel prize, her for the peace prize. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Jared, yeah, what,
1: which prize has BLM been nominated for the looting prize? <laughs>
0: Uh, Let me look up the exact one that, but uh, it was Stacey Abrams, Peace Prize. Oh, Oh, apparently so. Black Lives Matter uh, Peace Prize. Uh, Jared Kushner, of the three nominees that I've seen there, Jared Kushner is the only one you could legitimately say may have crafted a policy that got peace treaties signed in.
1: Who, who, um... Who who can, so was it the, like the black Panthers that nominated BLM for the peace prize? I mean, who, who, who did the nomination?
0: It was a member of parliament in Norway.
1: Okay. Oh, well, yep. there you go. Well, that, that stands to reason.
0: Well, he, his rationale for BLM was because they caused countries across the world to revisit and think about their racist past. Therefore they, they did a good service by making people think Not not none of the rest of their stuff, just they made people think, uh, Apparently made, Stacey Abrams must have made them think, hey, we should, it's Black History Month, we should nominate her. I don't know.
1: Right. So the same I, way like an arsonist makes people think about fire prevention. So that that's good. Yeah, it, that's good. Listen, they burned down all those buildings and they made people really think about uh, the state of their uh, fire suppression systems. And that is, that's good.
0: Yeah, it, it, I know Tom, Trump was nominated for two within a, a week or so of each other. Uh, don't th- Don't think that he won, but. He was nominated. Uh, yeah, it, it just it's bizarre when you, it actually was reported in Bizarre for Stacey Abrams, Bizarre magazine. Uh, yeah. So well, if Trump
1: actually out. won and accepted it. Then they would impeach him for that, too. Um, yes. Impeached okay. for accepting the Nobel okay. Peace Prize when he is actually Hitler. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting. I, I, I
0: don't know. There, there was something out today. Stacey. Uh, and I got to show you or share this because I think it, it just, it boggles the mind that this is what we're promoting. Nothing
1: nothing boggles the mind anymore, Chad. Uh, we're beyond see. any boggling. It's just the daily insanity.
0: Okay. I can't find it here, but uh basically the Los Angeles Unified School District put out a flash card today about, transgenderism. Oh, what, you... I
1: happen to have it.
0: Chad. Oh, yeah, go over it then. Certainly.
1: Hold on. I need to, uh, I'm going to pull it up here because I had been looking at this. So this is yes, the unified Los Angeles school district. Um, so all of the schools uh, in, I guess, greater Los Angeles and presumably I have no doubt uh, in various other Blue cities. And so the week of February 1st to 5th is Black Lives Matter in Schools Week of Action. Okay. All right. But, and this is for elementary through secondary. Okay. So some of the elementary resources, let's read this. Number one, there's the woke read aloud, they, she, he, easy as ABC. That sounds, that sounds good. Uh, The second one, this gets better. Exploring Gender Stereotypes Through Role Plays. Wow, that should be excellent. That's for, what, like third graders? Uh, number three, It Feels Good to Be Yourself, a book about gender identity. All right, I'm, I'm sensing a theme here, Chad. I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is, but it all seems interconnected. Wednesday, so then, the middle of this little flyer, Wednesday, of this coming week is trans affirming, queer affirming and collective value Wednesday. No tacos, but trans affirming, queer affirming. Uh, and then the secondary resources say there is a something pay no mind. Oh, Martha quote, pay no mind Johnson video. Do you know who this person is? Nope. Uh, but apparently a very, very well-known person within the trans affirming uh, universe, uh, and centering Black LGBTQ students' youth discussion prompts. And then there's going to be a history lesson on the first queer American hero, William Dorsey Swan. Go ahead. These are our public schools. Um, uh, I, I could okay. go on. There's more. There's transgender and gender non-conforming women of color. Uh, there's all sorts of action steps and i and i love it the uh the little flyer that's on this it has all of these clenched uh black and brown fists uh i guess that's solidarity i don't i don't know what that is but this is all um this is all in the uh elementary and uh, secondary public schools in la we're we're all in very good hands
0: yeah marsha p johnson marsha Payne or mine johnson uh, was known in New York City's Greenwich Village, where she became an icon during the Stonewall riots in the 70s.
1: There you go. I, I don't know how I couldn't have known that. Uh, but yeah.
0: yeah, it's about trans. She takes on the legacy of trans women who suffer from discrimination and violence.
1: So there you go. But there's no, um, you know, th- this is all the uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic, Chad. This is the core principles that we expect our children to be receiving in, in our uh, our centers of indoctrination.
0: Yeah, I have to ask, um, or is LA schools actually in session? I mean, face to face.
1: Well, I have a feeling that they were probably out of session for COVID, but they will go back in session for this special week. Um, everyone will wear their astronaut helmets for COVID and then uh, they'll send them back home to spread spread the gospels. I just, I, I mean, it's
0: un- understandable that they might or might not be open. I you know Chicago. Isn't going to be open. So I wasn't sure uh, where they stood. So if somebody knows, let me know. But uh, it's just interesting to me that this is, this is the news around us and it's kind of depressing. Sometimes. Well, you
1: can't, again, you can't really make this up. And I, I think the serious point, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of joking about this because it's like gallows humor that this is going on is that this is not limited to Los Angeles. All right. So you, if you're a parent and your kids are in public school, you better take a look at what is in their curriculum and you better take a look at who's been named the local diversity coordinator and the platform that they are pushing because this stuff is everywhere. And that little generic reading of the topics, believe me, that sounds bad enough. When you get into the granular level of this, you'll, you'll really be astonished. So this this kind of tsunami of indoctrination is not going away. It's only getting worse, and you're not insulated from it because you don't live in a big city. Because this stuff is mass-produced, uh, it is sent out, it is supported by, of course, all the teachers' unions, and I can pretty much guarantee you that if you are in some public school that's maybe outside of the, the Deep South, um, and I'm not even sure that's immune, you're going to find some variation on this stuff. And the ages of the kids, it's bad enough at any age, but we're talking about kids that are in elementary school because look, you might as well get them as young as possible to train them up as community activists. So if you think that this is an exaggeration and you think this really isn't happening, go ahead and start nosing around into any local curriculum near you, particularly if you're in a sort of nearby blue urban semi-urban setting uh you'll be stunned
0: yeah i want to i want to close with this um this is on facebook again about michelle taylor green from michael tracy uh whenever liberals acquire power their supporters in the media make sure to incessantly hype cartoonish right-wing fringe figures in order to deflect from what liberals are actually doing with their newly acquired power marjorie taylor green is just michelle bachman 2.0 And the final quote, if Trump's so washed up, why are Democrats still so afraid of him?
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, one quick response. I'm not sure she's Michelle Bachman 2.0 because I don't think Michelle Bachman, who some people think is a little bit kooky, but I don't think Michelle Bachman ever thought there was a Jewish controlled space laser that was causing forest fires. So I'm not I'm not really going to be willing to say that she's just Michelle Bachman. She sounds loopy.
0: Yeah, I I don't disagree with you, Uh, but his
1: larger point is correct, however, which is, yes, that they identify the most fringe person that they can while, of course, ignoring uh, the gaggle of fringe people in their caucus. And then they present them as the representative of conservatism or evangelicalism or Republican Party members. And that's who everyone's supposed to think is representative of their political opponents and they do it all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, sure. Let's we'll see what comes of that. This last thing I, I just saw, this is came across Palestinians went London to give back big Ben. They claim the infidels stole clock and are passing off as big Ben. They want I was back. worried
1: they were talking about Roethlisberger. You would have had a problem with that.
0: I don't know what he would do in Palestine because no actual <laughs> he's got a good, American he's got a good
1: beard going though.
0: He does. could fall for that i guess Uh, it it, will the will the craziness never end i don't know no it will not it's
1: it's It's, it's too profitable um it allows too many people to attain positions of power and then unfortunately since it actually is legitimate crazy uh we need better medication
0: yeah so there you go anything else you wanted to add tonight
1: no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, that was good. I, I didn't know what any of the topics were. Since last week, as in an anomaly, I had selected a few of them. So um, we're, we're, I like the mystery topics.
0: It's always good that way. We're not going to be broadcasting before the Super Bowl, so we gave a pick last week. Do you still stand by your pick, or have you realized— The, chief, the
1: Chiefs are going to win.
0: And— you know this because you've seen it in the future?
1: Yes, I have. I've consulted the Magic 8-Ball, and um, signs point to the Chiefs winning. Uh, because here's the thing. If Tom Brady, at age 42, somehow manages to beat Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champions, then they might as well just stop having Super Bowls. Because, first of all, Mahomes might as well retire. You, you can't be the GOAT if you, in your prime, on the defending champ, cannot beat Tom Brady at 42. Just can't happen. So I think the Bucks run, uh, the Buck stops here, and <laughs> the Chiefs are going to win by... I think it'll be a decent game, but I think the Chiefs win by at least 10.
0: I stand by what I said last week. I think it's going to be a tighter game than we hope because I think the Chiefs' defense is good. I don't think they're great. Uh, I think they can score... I won't say at will because I don't think anybody can score at will, but I think they score much more easily than Tom Brady. He's more workmanlike and methodical. He can get some deep passes to the right people. looks like Antonio Brown may not play. Uh, Uh, That doesn't
1: matter. The Bucs are going to score. The Bucs will probably score 28. They could even score 30 points. The Chiefs are going to score 40 points. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You just can't you just cannot control that offense for any extended period of time. And no defense has demonstrated any ability to deal with a healthy Mahomes, Kelsey and Tyree Hill all in the field at the same time. Th- they're basically three guys that th- there is no defensive strategy to contain all of them. So, yeah, and they've got a coach. They've got probably the best offensive mind in football running the whole the whole shebang and Andy Reid. And, you know, now that he's gotten over his playoff curse, his clock management issues, and has won a Super Bowl, look, there's no reason this team can't win three or four in a row. Seriously.
0: Wow. If they won three in a row, that would be unprecedented because nobody's ever done if that. If they
1: win this year, who's – who's now, look, the Bills are up and coming, and, of course, the NFL is very dependent year-to-year year on injuries because that's just this the nature of the sport. But assuming all other things being equal, if they win this year, they're the prohibitive favorites to win again, right?
0: I, I think even if they don't win this year, they're prohibitive favorites for next that's year. That's true. Uh,
1: Although, if they don't win this year, that I don't know. that That's going to kind of – I think that then the, the football gods have decided that they're they're not going to be a dynasty. But if they win this year, I think three in a row is definitely on the table.
0: I, I agree with you. Um, I think the Bills still have to see if Josh Allen is real.
1: Oh, he, I think what? he's real. I don't think there's any question about that. Okay.
0: Put it together for more than one season, and we can talk. Uh, we'll see. He didn't look particularly good against the Chiefs, so... Maybe he needs to get over that hump. Maybe, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I don't know if he ever gets over that hump. Maybe. He
1: well, he could be real up. and still not be good enough to beat the Chiefs. That, that's Correct. the problem.
0: Yeah, and he came along at a time when there's a pretty good team in front of you. Uh, as long as they can stay together for a couple more years, you or anyway, you could have a run going forward. We'll see. I, I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think it's going to be a, you know, a 41-38. Epic oh, game. do you think it's going to be that I, close? I think it's going to be close. But I I just don't think not that the Bucks don't have offensive weapons. I don't think their weapons are particularly better than the weapons of the Chiefs. And I think the Chiefs I think the Chiefs and I won't say they can give up, you know, as many points as they did last year to the Texans in the first round of the playoffs. But I think they can come up from a big deficit and still.
1: Yeah, I mean it it actually wouldn't surprise me, and this has been the Chiefs MO and it doesn't seem to matter. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Bucs even leading this game at halftime. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, and here's the thing. I think if they're not, if they're, if they fall behind early, again, it becomes a track meet for the Chiefs, but I could see, I could see the Bucks making this a game all the way into sort of the late stages. I just think the Chiefs offense is just, it's just this irresistible force that eventually there's no answers for it. And again, unless unless there is some major turnover victory for the Buccaneers where, you know, they manage to pick Mahomes a couple of times or they, they get some fumbles. That's obviously what turns games. But if they play a relatively clean game, I just don't think the bucks can keep up with them.
0: I think you're right. And we'll have to wait and see on Sunday what turns out, but it should be very interesting. I'm hoping it's a good game. I hope it's an interesting game from beginning to end. I don't want any lulls, but, uh, Typically, Super Bowls don't always tend to be the best game. They tend to be a game. Some are good. Some are bad. So,
1: One final thought. If yes, Tom Brady manages to win, which would be what, his seventh Super yep. Bowl in 10 tries at age 42 in his first season with a team that was, what, seven and nine last year without him, has there been a better individual feat in the history of football than doing that
0: Kurt Warner 99 Rams
1: why is that better
0: why is that better because Kurt Warner was stocking shelves and was called up only because of an injury that nobody ever heard of the guy Tom Brady had 6 Super Bowls coming into this year
1: all right well you're saying it's a better story right it's well, kind I- of a uh, rags to riches from nowhere Ram-
0: In ninety eight, the Rams, I don't know what the record was, but it was garbage. They were horrible. Tony Banks was their starting quarterback. Nobody remembers Tony Banks. He actually go to went to the Ravens after that. This guy is not a good player. And somehow Kurt Warner comes off the bench after being cut and playing in the AFL, playing in Europe, stocking shelves, and he takes him to the Super Bowl championship. That to me is it's a better story. And that's
1: that's a huge turnaround. Seven and nine to eleven and five. It's a big difference but yeah but that that well i i agree to some extent but that team was also stacked on offense um you know they had marshall falk uh didn't they have tory holt they had who were their two their two wideouts it was tory holt and who else Isaac, Uh, isaac bruce yes isaac bruce right and again i agree with you like for a one season remarkable cinderella story kind of deal that takes the cake but how old was Kurt Warner at that time? 34, 33?
0: Uh, at that, that time, I think he was just around thirty. I don't. Okay, remember. so
1: he's still a young man uh, by quarterback age. Not young; he's middle aged for a quarterback, but still physically in in his prime. What I'm talking about is a guy who is nobody that has been forty two years old has been playing football at the level of Tom Brady uh, in NFL history. It's never it's never been done. I don't disagree with you. And by the way, I'm uh, not even i don't I don't even really like Brady. I, I'm j- in fact, I sort of feel like I don't want him to win another super Bowl. i don't I don't dislike him either. Um, I respect him as one of the all-time great competitors. But I just if he manages to do this and beats the guy that everyone has anointed, I think justifiably so as the next pantheon level QB. A guy that is a historic talent. And Brady at 42 on a Buccaneers team manages to win again. I I don't I can't imagine something that has occurred previously in the NFL being more amazing than that achievement.
0: Uh, you're you're completely right. Uh the the, the Rams were four and twelve in ninety-eight and won the Super Bowl in ninety nine. Kurt Warner was twenty-eight uh when he took over. So twenty eight. So he's in his prime. He was in his physical prime. I couldn't remember how old he was. Physical prime, but he hadn't played in an NFL game prior to the preseason when uh, he came in. So it wasn't old like Dick
1: Vermeil. Well,
0: some say that. Some say I, I'm trying to look for who they had on the roster that would be of any notice. Um, yeah, their their running back was Robert Holcomb. Uh, they. Eddie Kennison and Ricky Prohl as their two wide receivers in 98. So, um, I don't know that the, in 99 they had.
1: So maybe you know, it Isaac wasn't. Was... See, I, I'm hazy. I, I, the greatest show on turf is what they used to call the Rams. Uh, I right. couldn't remember when they were at their peak. It was the Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Marshall Falk, Kurt Warner. And they, they just, you know, they passed and, and ran all over everybody.
0: Yeah. So Isaac Bruce was traded for, um, no, he was Isaproof was on the team in 90, 98. He was drafted in ninety four. Tory Holt was a rookie then. Marshall Falk got traded from the from the uh Colts. So in the offseason. So it did change the dynamic of the team. But nobody knew that was going to happen. I, I you can you can say it's a great turnaround if Tom Brady wins it. I just I think the ninety nine Rams was a bigger turnaround, personally.
1: Well, you're just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine.
0: I can be wrong sometimes and still be right.
1: That's right. Um, my, see, my, that will make my wife happy because now we've ended on a disagreement. We've ended on
0: a disagreement. And if you think I'm I'm right and Tony's wrong, then, then give us a call and tell me why. It's not possible think. that anyone thinks that, but that's okay. Yeah. 717-739-5432, 717-739-5432. If you have something to share on this or any other topic, please let us know. Uh, that's all I got tonight, Tony. Anything for you? I'm all finished. All right. Thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night.
2: Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.